Um, I'm going to start off by taking my own advice. Um, where I teach in the mornings, they have uh, they encourage the girls to give shurim on shvuas. And a lot of girls are very, very nervous. They've never given a shir before, and they're very nervous. And they say, but you're giving it in front of your your classmates. You're giving it in front of your peers. Like, this is a perfect audience to sort of, like, not be nervous and just do it and hope for the best. So I haven't given very many shmoozes here. So I'm hoping that I'm giving it in front of my peers. Don't be nervous. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Gomorrah and Yavamas tells us that Rabbi Akiva had uh, 12,000 pairs of students and they all died in this time period that we find ourselves in right now. Sometime between Pesach and Atzeres. And uh, there is a plague. Uh, the truth is, until Corona hit, I never really understood this Gomorrah. You know, some people want to say sometimes Midrashim may be Baba Mises, but I remember when I was reading the news, when I was reading the news during Corona, and in Italy, you had like 10,000 people dying every day at one point. And in New York, everybody knew a family who knew somebody who was sitting shiva because of Corona. And I thought to myself, like, there, and there are tens of thousands of people dying within a month. And these are in 2023, and then, or sorry, 2021. And then all of a sudden, you read the Gomorrah from 2,000 years ago, a plague happened, and... 24,000 24,000 Torah students died. And when the customs of Avelus came up, I'm not exactly sure. The earliest source we have was the tour, but the tour didn't make it up. It was things that people already started to take upon themselves, and the tour already just codified it in the Shulchan, in this tour. But uh, it, it's a real tragedy. And Chazal, like everything else, say, Mipnei Chateinu, Megalinu, Meyartzenu. Whenever something really bad to the, happens to the Jewish people, we always look inward. What could we? What do we? What could we? What do we do wrong? Like, if, we're not here to say, "Oh, thank you, Mr. Babylonian, for exiling us," and "Thank you, Mr. Roman, for exiling us." We we appreciate it because it's really all our fault. But they do say, It's the same thing over here. And Chazal said very clearly that they weren't no heg covered ze laze. That, that's the language of the Gomorrah. And that seems to be the Pagam. And interestingly enough, the customs of mourning now are overriding really a time that really should be, according to the Ramban, according to the Chinuch, a real time of Simcha. The time between Pesach and, and Shavuos is like Mamish Cholomot every week. And we can all look in the Ramban, but this is supposed to be a time of Simcha. Like, really, Simcha, being the Kabbal Torah? It's unbelievable. And here we are, with a little bit of scruff, and not listening to music, and with all the all the different course uh, ideas of, of Elus. So I'd like to concentrate a little bit on the Mipnei Lo Nagu Kabbal Zelazet. What I'd like to do is, I have a, my source sheet, which I'm not going to pass out because it's a schmooze, I'm going to just read one or two, one paragraph together. But really, I'm going to give over a piece of Torah that I heard when I was in Chappelle's, I think 34 years ago, from an Emes Liyakov. Um, I heard it from, um, at the time, one of Rav Yaakov's grandchildren, Rav Yosef Kamenetsky, it should be well. He, I heard it from him. And then I discussed it with um, other grandchildren of Rav Yaakov. I discussed it with Nassim Kamenetsky a few times when I got a chance to meet him. 
And then I sort of made the piece my own. So I'd like to try to give it over uh, the way I, at least I understand it after hearing it and trying to, and trying to make it my own. Now, what's nice about this, this shmooze is that I can really give it any time during this period, and I can also give it Parshat Zvayichi because that's where he mentioned it in Emes Yaakov. So it's, uh, you get a lot of bang for this buck. It, you can get up and give this shmooze at a lot of different places. Rabbis have to have shmoozes in their back pocket, but you can always give it over. So the scenario is that Yaakov Avinu is on his deathbed, and Yaakov calls to his children, and he says, Asvu asher yikrad Says it right in the Torah. I'm going to tell you what happened at the end of days. Like this is it. You want to know what's going to happen sometime in 2023? You know, Tashim Pei is going to come and work to Hashem, and we're going to have all these different things that happen. He was about to tell them what happened. So all the children come. He kapsu. They came. Rishimu bnei Yaakov, and they wanted to hear. All of a sudden, the shi- he couldn't tell them. He starts giving them brachos. The Gemara Sachem says that maybe he thought, like, uh-oh, maybe one of these twelve over here is sort of like my, you know, my grandfather Avram, I have my father Yitzchak, and he has my uncle Esav, or sorry, Yishmael, and Yishmael wasn't so good, and then my father Yitzchak had me and my brother Esav, <coughs> also not so great. <coughs> maybe one of my children is also not fitting. And they all said, no, 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 Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkeinu, Hashem Echad, he said, Baruch Shem and then he went on to give the, but he still gave one of the brachas. They were all fitting. He still didn't, but he went to give the brachas. We'll get back to that question at the end. But Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky quotes a medrash, and in Bereshit's Rabbah, and he says as follows: When Yaakov called all of his children over, Barabban and Amri siva oton ala machloikus, huh? He commanded his twelve children to have machloikus. Amar lohon, tiyu kuchen asifa achat. You should all be one group, but I want you to have machloikus. That's a weird, that's an interesting medrash. I want, that's, that's what the medrash says. I want you to have machloikus. So, says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky about Yaakov Avinu. On his deathbed, what Yaakov wanted to do if he wanted to ingrain the hope for a real geula to the children, and he told them that each one of you twelve children have your own tafkid, Reuven, you're this, Shimon, you're this, Laban, you know, Laban, Yehuda, you're this, each one has your own tafkid and cloudy throw, and you have to make sure that you know your tafkid, but just don't, and you can have machlaikis, by the way, in your tafkid, but just also have to remember that you're all one group. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, you know, my own example, the way I understood this, is sort of like the, you know, the, the army. In the army, if you take the American army or the Israeli army, whichever, it's a har, you know, it's Haganel Haganel Yisrael, Haganel Yisrael, you have different divisions. And you can have the navy, and you can have the air force, and you can have the army. In America, you can have the marines. And all of a sudden, we're all in war, and all of a sudden we have an objective, we've got to get that enemy. And it could be the army general is going to say, we have to do it this way. And the Air Force guy says, the Air Force says, we have to do it this way. And the admiral from the Navy says, we have to do it this way. And they're arguing, and they have different mahals and how we're going to do it. And even within the pluga, even within the division, there may be arguments. But we all have the same, we all have the same objective. And there's a problem, though. If the Air Force starts doing the army's job, and the army starts doing the Navy's job, that doesn't work either. 
Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky gives the example of the Chashmonaim. He said the Chashmonaim were Shevet Yehuda. The Chashmon, sorry, the Chashmonaim were Shevet Levi. They were the Kohanim. And all of a sudden, the Chashmonaim, after the story of Hanukkah, there are big, are big superheroes. They took upon themselves the Malucha, the king. And all of a sudden, that you can't do. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shevet Levi, Kohanim, you're not allowed to do the Malucha. That belongs to, that belongs to Yehuda. And he says what happened was, they all got, they got punished, and we don't even, we don't know the Zera, the offspring of the, the, Makat, the Chashmonim, we don't even know who they are. So you have to have your tafkid, you have to know your tafkid, you have to understand what you are, what you're supposed to do, but you have to also realize my tafkid may not be your tafkid, and your tafkid is not my tafkid, but I want to hear what everybody's purpose is. So we're all one big army with our own, with our own purpose, with our own, the objective is the same objective, but you can have different ways of getting there. So here's where I want to just um, quote um, the Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. I'll read a little bit inside and I'll translate it. Even though each tribe got their purpose in the nation. Everybody has to remember we're all part of one big seaboard. And here comes the line. And it's incumbent upon you to be mechaber, to honor different drachim from the other shvatim in, I'm going to translate this word, we understand it, in Avodas Hashem. We're going to go back to that line. And Kedei Lagdish Nekudazo, in order to make a dagesh over there in this, in this idea, in order to emphasize this idea, Yaakov called all of his children, like I said before. What does that mean? Yaakov said to each one of his children, listen to the midas that each one of your brothers have that is matim for them in about a Hashem and the Jewish people. I would have done something differently, to tell you the truth. My mom, you know, I should have lived till 120, but if I'd be on my deathbed, I'd call each one of my kids in privately, and I'd say, okay, this is one, here, here, let me give you my last will and testament to you, let me tell you what I think for you. Let me, but here he calls them all together in order to emphasize this point, that you have to mekabed other drachim within a Vodas Hashem. Now the question is how we define a Vodas Hashem. It's a very little bit of a tricky question. So I'll tell you a story um, that happened to me Bidreshad Rachel. There was a girl who was in the process of converting. Um, her, father was, her father was Jewish, her mother wasn't, she made Aliyah. And because of that, the Rabbanut has an interest in letting her try to help her convert, especially if she wants to convert in a uh, kosher way. And she's been in Bidreshad Rachel. She's already been in the ballgame two years, Shomer Shabbat, and she's already keeping Torah, keeping mitzvahs. And she was supposed to go for her her last meeting. She was very, very nervous. And she asked, and Rabbi Shuren asked me if I can learn with this girl just to go over some halachas and like, you know, throw some questions at her and just to like, prep her and prep her and prep her. So she goes for her last meeting. The Rabbi Nut is right now in Kanfei Nishar. She goes in. Three judges over there. 
And one of the judges, an English-speaking rabbi, his name is Rabbi Aaron Troy, the yeshiva, one of the big person, the yeshiva still speaks to him. And basically Rabbi Aaron Troy looks at the girl and says to her, do you want to be an Orthodox Jew? She goes, yes. He goes, okay, today at 2 o'clock we're going to go to the mikvah hard off and we're going to convert you. She's like, what? He goes, today at 2 o'clock we're doing it. She's like, I thought I was going to get an appointment in two months, and four months, like, today at 2 o'clock. Rabbi Aaron Troy calls Rabbi Shuren, and he says to Rabbi Shuren, listen, I, need, I, don't have, I, I don't have a base in. I need you to come, and I need to bring another rabbi, and they'll just act as a base in for the, for the giur. So Rabbi Shuren says, listen, you've been close with her, why don't you come? So I don't know, I don't know, I'm going to call my, I don't know, how does this work, Rabbi? I'm a little nervous in terms of the sneeze. I have to, like, <laughs> so I'm going to call my wife, and, uh, <laughs> a little weird, like, you know? And by, but by the, the way it works, just a, a, just on a completely side note, but you know she, she was there, and the mikvah lady was there, and the head of Yaakov Moskowitz was there, the head of the dresser, the woman's uh, the uh, educational director, and she had a friend. And when I walked in, she's already in the water with a robe on that you don't see anything. I just see this woman with uh, with her hair, and I have to be able to go and testify that I can see that when she when she dunked. But that's not the story. The story is I get to the mikvah and hurry off. There are seven women waiting outside. I say to Rabbi Sharon, I said, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. We get outside, we meet Rabbi Aaron Troy. And Rabbi Aaron Troy said, the truth of the matter is that these seven women that I have to convert today, and I didn't have a base in, so when she came in, I said, okay, I know she's sincere, so I'll just tell her this way, I know you'll be able to shut them up, another rabbi. I said, Rabbi Sharon, how long are we here for? He says, yes, I don't know. I said, I thought this was 20 minutes, Rabbi. Anyways, so I, I heard the spiel eight times, four or five times in English, and two times or so in Hebrew. Um, but I'll tell you what happened. Let me just say what he said. I still remember it very, very clearly. Um, the women were in the mikvah, and he asked the following questions to the women. Very simple questions. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe that the God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day? Yes. Do you believe that God eventually chose Avram, Avram to be the father of the Jewish people? Yes. Do you believe that Avram's descendants went down to Mitzrayim and God took them out of Egypt and brought them to Har Sinai to give them the Torah? Yes. Do you believe that God gave a written law and an oral law at Mount Sinai? Yes. He says, do you believe that that written law and the oral law somehow got through the ages, got transmitted to our holy Shulchan Aruch? The code of Jewish law. Yes, you accept upon yourselves the tradition, the, the, the Torah obligations, the rabbinic operations, and the customs of the Jewish people. She said, yes. Okay, now you can dunk. They dunk, come up, make a bracha. I start saying with this, with, with this one girl that I was there, I'm like, you know, she's crying. She's waiting for this for two years. And I'm very sensitive. And I go, is somebody cutting onions in here? I said, you got to stop. I'm crying. I started choking up. Then she made the bracha and she dunks again. Afterwards, I want to let you know we. Um, I, what I did is I bought a bottle of wine that was Enom uh, Vushal. And afterwards, we all stand outside in the, in the street, Nagasi Street in Harnoff. And I said, "You open the wine, you pour it, and you make the bracha." So she starts crying again. I said, "Stop, stop, stop! I'm not going to do it." And but I said to myself afterwards, "That's our definition of a vodas Hashem. We have a box." Hence my title. And we're going to use this as my box. And there are four boundaries. The box is not endless, but there are four boundaries. 
And one boundary over here is Yaradea. One boundary over here is Chosh and Mishpat. One boundary over here is Eben Ezer. One boundary over here is Orchayim. And we have a boundary of Shulchan Aruch. So we have a, a different schmooze, but okay, but if somebody says to you, listen, you're a Godot Hashem is, you know, going to Shul on Shabbos and having a meal, mine is going to the mall watching a movie. Okay, that's a different... That, but when we talk about a Godot Hashem, and this is what I clarified with Yudriakim, when we talk about a Godot Hashem in this part, part context, for people who are loyal to Torah and Mitzvah, this is our definition of a Godot Hashem, gentlemen. And within a Vodas Hashem, you can have different drachim. You can have different paths. And some people can feel connected to a path that's based on Lisbeth Shatayr, and some people can feel connected to a path that's based on Chassidah Shatayr, and some people can feel connected to a path that's based on Datilumi Torah, Chabad, Breslev, Chabakuk, Revkuk. Chabakuk, I don't know how you... You have all sorts of different paths within the Jewish people. I'm telling you, I, I know when I first moved to Beitar, even with my little bubble from Beitar, you come to Beitar and I think, oh my gosh, everyone really looks like penguins over here. It just seems to be the same penguin outfit, but some people have a furry hat and some people not. But then you start meeting people, there's differences. And you know what? I don't have to agree with everything that's going on. Um, I don't have to agree, it doesn't speak to my neshama, everything that goes on in the Hasidic world and everything that goes on in the Datilumbi world. And the people in that field in Miro don't have to agree with everything that goes on. But listen to the words of Yaakov Kamenetsky. Everyone has to find the path that speaks to their neshama. And when you start Shaduchim, when you're raising a family, what's cool, those are important things. No one seems to be wishy-washy. But just listen to the words of Yaakov Kamenetsky, a gentleman. He says as follows, V'aleim mutal l'kabed gam et darkam shel shvatim acherim ba'avodas Hashem. We have an obligation to respect legitimate avodah Hashem in other Jews. I'll tell you two stories. Some of my students came to me where I teach in the morning. They said they heard a shir in Adam Mechavero. And I said, I'm interested to know. And they said, there's shir in Adam Mechavero. The person got up and said, listen, now, these are, again, these are very, like, what we would call modern Orthodox girls in the Tatilumi school, and they said, listen, there is a family in Harnoff that, uh, the, they had their family from Lakewood visiting. And there was a kid who wasn't feeling good, the one who came from Lakewood. And they thought for sure they had strep, but they don't have insurance. So the family in Harnoff said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'll make an appointment for my kid. In Israel, gentlemen, all he's got to do is go to the car, the doctor, and swipe this. The doctor doesn't know Yitz Lerner from a hole in the wall because there's no picture on my card. So they said, you know what, we're going to send your, your son to the doctor instead of my son. He'll do a strep test. If he has strep, we'll get antibiotics. We'll do that. And they said, that's, that sounds a little like a shtickle geneva. And then they gave another example, the person giving the shear. And the other example they gave was a, a girl, a Bishyakov girl, the train, who was davening, and then when the guy came around to check her Ravkov, she didn't pay. And the third example was a classic example everyone knows, trying to get into the bus at the hotel when it's really packed, or in Mayor Sharm, and everyone's pushing. And the game was sharing Ben Adam Lechavero. And the girl was very bothered by it, and she comes to me and she goes, Rabbi Lerner, I just, can you explain to me these examples? I went to Ben Adam Lechavero, so I said to her girls, listen, let's just get one string, thing straight. 
I said, you didn't go to a Ben Adam Lechaveros here. I said, you went to a Lashem Harish here on Haredim. I said, you walked out of that shir saying, like, look what they do. And like, you know, and you're slapping somebody else's chest. Well, I said, I used to borrow Hashem. I was like, to go to Rosh Hashem every Wednesday night. I always walked out of that shir. Well, how could I improve? And all of a sudden, you walked out of a shir and say, how could they improve? That's a nice Ben Adam Lechaveros shir. I said, I can give you... Now, don't get me wrong. You know, we just finished John Matt's mood. And I don't know, I, I'm not sure what, like, what, what, like, what gets me more. You know, some of the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Torahs and the this, we were talking about some of these Sidurim and the new, uh, and the new Alanisims. But I want to let you know something. If, we're, if you and I are having an argument, and I completely ignore you, and I just don't even glaris you, that's also really, really bad. Somebody asked me a question, what do they do in your shuls in Beitar? And I said, unfortunately, they don't even talk about it. I don't know if that's good either. I don't think that's good either. It bothers me. Again, I'm not saying to get up and say how do you much to say how do how with a brach without a brach tafnu, but you don't even glaris another opinion within the Jewish people that has an element of a vote of Hashem. Can't even glaris that. And all of a sudden we have a big problem going on. If somebody would ask you, ask me, Rabbi Lerner, in your opinion, what do you think is the biggest issue that's going on in the Jewish people? In the Orthodox world, the, the world that's loyal to Torah and Mitzvahs. Unfortunately, I open up that Gemara and Yavamas, and I see Lo Nagu covered Zelazet. And covered doesn't mean that you don't know your Derek within the box. Kavod doesn't mean that you don't feel this is who I, this is what speaks to me. This part of Torah speaks to me. This part of Hashkafa, Rabbi Kalinsky likes to quote Revolva, that Revolva told him, Eilu ve'elu diru l'kim chayim also works in Hashkafa as well. We can have that. I'm having a debate with my friend, with my, my, my boss, who's a very, very smart guy on Thursday, on Thursday night in Midrash and Moriah and Hashkafa. The girls are loving it. We have a whole way of doing it in the way. I'm not afraid to speak about it. I'm not. I have my opinion. You have your opinion. We can even have a debate. There's nothing wrong with that. There are legitimate opinions. Such a complex. Such, but boy, oh boy, the we played Monagu Kavitzelas. I was speaking to one guy. He said to me, "I won't go to Tel Aviv because of what's going on, but I also won't go to Breivik." So well, that about Hashem. The first one's not about Hashem, and the second one, that about Hashem. I really, I won't even go in there. I said, okay. I don't understand. So all of a sudden, gentlemen, that's uh, part of the Gomorrah. But Rabbi Yaakov Kamenevsky says one last part. Amnam limud nosaf. There's something else. He says as follows. Why? Why are they all present? Listen to these words. Even though what you're doing is very, very important for the nation of Israel, on your only, only on your shoulders, he says. It's not only on your shoulders. We're partners. Don't think, the reason Yaakov said, I want everybody there, don't think that you're the only one. Yaakov avinu chileket ha'chrayut l'kim ha'am ben kol ha'shvatim. Kach sheshum shevet lo yechol avav l'itan, shechalki huwa yater chashuv. 
Mine is the most important. Nobody can say that. Ubi Bialadi without me, Eoshanali Kayam. But then the beautiful words. Amnam Ain Kolra it's not so bad if we have chiluke days. I told a story yesterday in the couple shear. There was a girl who came to speak to me about shiduchim. And um, she was very, very nervous to start shiduchim. And uh, the reason she was so nervous to start shiduchim is she probably came out of my 22 years of teaching and getting speaking to people she probably came from one of the most dysfunctional families that I've heard of. When she told me her story, it's just like everything you can possibly imagine, every type of abuse, every type dysfunctional family you cannot, you can't imagine. And um, I remember hearing the story, and she actually confirmed my story. I remember hearing the smooth one from Rabbi Zev Lef. And I asked her the same question, and she gave me the same answer. I asked her the following question. I'm just curious. She, and she went through therapy and she's ready and she has role models and she's ready to start dating to build her own bias and M&B soil. And I asked her the following question. I said, what's your definition of a functional family? You're going to start... What's your definition of a functional family? She goes, Rabbi, my definition of a functional family is that you come home, there's Shalom bias, you have your Dalit Amos, I don't know if she said that word, but you have your Dalit Amos, your four cubits. You have your own oxygen mask. You have your own privacy. This is your bubble away from the rest of the world. And you have shalom with your family and that's going to be the the, shal- the bias that I want to try to establish. So I said to her, I said, listen, that may be called a bias. I said, but I, I think it's called a basic forest, what you just described. That's called a cemetery. <laughs> it's not called a bias. I said, I want to let you know something. And I say this very often to students of mine all the time. A bias, mommy and daddy fight. And mommy and son fight, and daddy and daughter fight, and two kids fight. That's normal. I know it sounds fun, some funny if somebody doesn't come from a functional family. That's called a functional family. What's the difference between a functional family and a dysfunctional family? A functional family, we're friends again in five minutes. Everything's back to normal ten minutes later. A dysfunctional family don't speak to each other now for three weeks or a month. Functionality is not a question of everything is always peaceful. He said it so beautifully. The idea of shalom, gentlemen, isn't that everyone has to agree and grab onto one sheet and one derech. And all of a sudden, Rabbi Yaakov Kamaretsky says, as long as we can have a haskama al simchut hilchatit, he says those words. As long as we can be in, in the box. As long as we can have that haskama, vodas Hashem has different drachim within here. But as long as we're all loyal, what difference does it make what keep I'm wearing when we're learning Habab Machteris? Unless you're coming to kill me. What difference? <laughs> well, well, that isn't a funny joke. But what difference does it make? What keeper you're wearing when you're learning the Sugi and Mishabrur and Halacha? And all of a sudden, when it comes to learning Torah, gentlemen, we can have our Machlaikis in Torah, we can have Machlaikis in Halacha, we can have Machlaikis in Minhagim, we can have Machlaikis in Hashkafa, Eilav Eilav, Dibra Lakim Chayyim. 
But mutawalenu, it's incumbent upon us, gentlemen. And I think this is probably one of the biggest messages I got out of Chappelle's when I came here 34 years ago. And just to end, I saw in a safer by Roshach that he asked the question also, and maybe it's when all the Jewish people are together, and when all of a sudden everyone has their own brachas, maybe that bracha that Yaakov Avinu gave, where you have your own bracha, and all of a sudden you understand your, your position and their position in the cloud we throw, maybe that's when Mashiach will be able to come and that will be the Akrasiyam. Maybe Yaakov did tell his children about the Akrasiyam. You have your tafkid, you have your tafkid, you have your tafkid, but you have to be like Rabbi Yaakov Kramnetsky says, Mutalalena, those words are just striking over here. You put this on, if you have to put something in, look at these words. Um, there's much more to be said. Call me many things, gentlemen, but everyone knows my line. Don't call me late for lunch. Gentlemen, thank you very, very much.